It's Johnny D, the motivational cowboy with this week's episode of the Outstanding Life podcast. And in the house with me right now, literally in my house. We're in your house, man. I know. Mark Canope in the house, man. What's going on? I'm glad to be here, Johnny. Man, it's been a few months now, but we're finally together. The Christmas is over. The New Year's is over. And I'm finally, I'm like, before we both get busy, we both get on the road Get your butt over here so we can get this podcast done. Absolutely. I'm glad to be here. Hey, listen, before we even get things kicked off, it's been about 10 or 12 years since I saw you live on stage. I'm just wondering if you brought maybe a sample of your new material with you that maybe the listeners we can kick things off with. Wow. It's, it's amazing. We must be on the same wavelength. I, I just happen to have one with me. You do? I do. I do. And I don't know if I should set this up for you. Set or, it up, man. Um... We we both raised here in Michigan. Yep, and uh, obviously it's a cold weather state. It's cold out right now. It's snowing when you got here. I don't know about you, Johnny D, but uh, I don't care if I was born here or not. I hate the cold. I hate the mess. I hate the slush, the snow. I don't like it at all, and and I don't like snowmobiles. Okay, and that's what this next little clip is all about. All right, we're gonna listen to it right now. Sounds good. I hate snowmobiles. I always get a couple in the crowd, a couple guys going, it's better, man. It's better. It's not like they want to fight me. They just want to thaw out their nipples from the previous February, that's all. I don't hate snowmobilers. I hate the machines they ride. That's my point here. You do whatever you want to do in the wintertime. God bless you. That's what you want to do? Go, you do. I can accomplish the same thing taking the roof and doors off my car. <laughs> the reason why I hate the machines, I was in Traverse City, Michigan, a couple of Januarys ago doing a corporate event for a company, and things were way behind schedule. Didn't get on stage that night until about quarter to one in the morning. By the time I finished my set, got off stage, had a couple of drinks, got paid, went back to my room, decompressed, and fell asleep. It was about 4, 4.15 in the morning. At approximately 6.08 a.m., I was awakened to Why? Why hasn't someone invented a muffler for these things? I tossed and turned a better part of an hour. Finally gave up. I packed my bags, went to the front desk. I checked out of the hotel. Drove about 10 miles, got to a little town called Mesick, Michigan. Realized I'm almost out of gas. Better fuel up for the rest of the drive home, okay? So, so I did. As I'm going into pay, who walks in right behind me? The Michelin man. This guy's wearing like 11 layers of snowmobile clothes. How he was able to pee is beyond me. Never mind. <laughs> like the first five layers, just a big diaper. I'm inside waiting for my change. I'm at the counter. The clerk has her back to me. She's at the register. He walks in. He walks right back. He's bumping into me. He's waving his arms. He's trying to get the clerk's attention. He finally does, and he asks her for a snowmobile trail map. I said, you got to be kidding me. You mean to tell me that she make a map to tell you where you can and cannot? Meet, meet, meet. It's like, yeah, man, we've been having fun all morning. I said, no kidding. Since about 6 08 by my count there, pal. Mr. Twinkie. It's like, whatever. 
So before she turned around, I asked her if she grabbed not one, but two maps. One for me, one for my new friend, Twink. And she did. I went back to Traverse City four months later. <laughs> I planted trees. <laughs> Whoever got that gig the next year, I'm sure it went me, 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 me. Is that an M80? <laughs> Maple. <laughs> night, night. So you hate snowmobiles, so I, you hate, you probably hate the sound then. You're very adept. You picked up that. How's it go? I hate, I hate snow. I love sleep. (laughs) So there you go. And you know, and it's so funny because we both, we are, we are on the road a lot, both of us. Absolutely. And isn't that funny how um, you talk about getting done with your gig and you have to decompress. People always say, well, you, we just talk for a living. It's easy. All you do is talk. Right. Right. All you do is talk. Well, and the thing is too, Johnny, um, I mean, many years ago when I was in college, uh, yeah, college educated comedian here, um, (laughs) CMU, go chips. Um, but uh, I, I worked factory jobs, you know, in, yeah. in the summers, and and you know if if I got uh, uh, you know swing shift or an afternoon shift, you know, and you come home after working and, and what have you, I, just like the other, you can't go right to sleep, right? And people that work uh, shift work like that, they know what you're talking about, absolutely, yeah. So so you're from Wyandotte, Wyandotte, Michigan. Now, now I didn't know this until last night, buddy. Wow, you even have the shirt on today. <laughs> what are you going to the hockey game? I am going to the hockey game. That's but I'm funny. going, I'm going my best friend growing up. Um his son plays for uh Detroit Country Day High School yep. and they're playing Wyandotte tonight. So that's why I'm I'm wearing the shirt under the shirt. <laughs> so So um, so Wyandotte? Your father, I saw, was a firefighter. Yes. Yeah, dad was a career firefighter. Wow. Uh, almost 33 years. And, um, it, it, I mean, it, amazing job. I mean, but he, he was gone half the time, obviously, because yeah. that was back in the day when they worked 24-hour shifts. Yep. And um, so my mom, 25, 30% of my life was my dad. Yeah. Okay? And my mom was a tiny 5'2", five, 5'3", five, probably weighed a buck 18, and there was times in the summer, you know, when I was 13, 14 years old, I pitched, you know, playing summer league baseball. Right. And mom knew I was heading out to Pulaski Park or Memorial Field for a game. Yep. And I was jumping on my bicycle. And she'd go, okay, let's go warm you up. So she'd grab the catcher's mitt. No kidding. She'd squat down in front of the garage door. And I'd throw her a dozen or 15 pitches. And, and she'd tell me, you're not following through. Come on, <laughs> touch your ankle, you know, whatever. And So uh, so are you the only child? No, no, no. Um, I, I'm I'm one of three. I'm the middle child. Okay, shocker. <laughs> and, and and I've got a, I've got an older sister and I've got a younger sister. So I consider myself what? Yes, the rose between two thorns. <laughs> My sisters is- have always given me grief, Johnny, that I was mom's favorite. Okay, which come on, I'm the only boy. Right. Okay, I'll I'll take that. You know. Right. And. Um, God bless her soul. Uh, uh, my mom, uh, her water broke uh, on my birthday that year, December 11th. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, for the rest of her life, I spent walking on that water in her eyes. So. <laughs> I love it. So, so your dad was a firefighter. Did you ever think in a million years, or, or did you grow up thinking that you were going to be a firefighter too? Because it seems like all little boys 
and girls these days because I just had somebody on my podcast that they were they're uh, going to be getting married and they're both firefighters and she knew when she was very young that she wanted to be a firefighter. Did you think that that's what you were going to do because dad did it or would uh, you know, you're enamored by what your dad does. Right. And, of course, firefighter. And you go, and there was times on, on holidays or, or weekends, sometimes mom would take us there. And, you know, the, the, the coup de grace of every t- trip to visit dad at work was him going upstairs into the, the barracks area, the sleep area, and he'd go down the pole for us. Okay, that was that was like his little, that was his grand finale. Was was he a firefighter in Wyandotte? Yes, so was he stationed over there by the Yakarina in that really sweet, cool one that they just redid? Well, he he was he spent time at all uh, three of the different fire yep. stations at one time or another. Okay, um, but uh, he spent a good good chunk of his, especially the last uh, bit of his career uh, that we call that station number one right there at Maple and Third. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. absolutely. That's so cool, man. So wh- why comedy? Yeah, who, who knows? Um, I mean, <laughs> I mean you, you already said you went to college. Yes. And, w- and what did you study? Uh, broadcasting uh, with a, a applied arts degree in broadcasting with a, a minor journalism PR kind of thing. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, it was one of those things where life get uh, John Lennon, what was it? Uh, life is what happens when you're busy doing other things. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, I got married before I got out of college. And uh, things, you know, took a left turn as far as broadcasting was concerned. Uh, I was in sales uh, at the behest of my um, <coughs> Sicilian in-laws. And uh, their feeling was, um, hey, you can make a lot more money more quickly if you did something other than broadcasting, you know. Yeah. And, um, hey, you're, 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 you're a fun guy. You've you got the gift of gab. You should be in sales, you know. And, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, I was... I was I could cold call my butt off. Yep. I could demonstrate product. I, I was a good presenter. What did you sell? Oh, well, <laughs> let me let me pull out the list here for you, Johnny. Um, gosh, I uh, first thing out the door, I worked for Xerox. I uh, I worked for an independent distributor of uh, copier products, uh, Canon and Sharp, for a while. I sold uh, commercial insurance for a while. I sold personalized insurance for a while. Hey, this is only an hour show, man. Okay. <laughs> okay. Page two. I uh, yeah. So so you were married. I was. Kids. Uh, yes. Well, well, only one that I'm aware of. Right. <laughs> the uh, uh, I've got a son, and uh, he is a uh, he's a major in the Marine Corps. Oh. And he flies helicopters for a living. How cool is that? Mar- huh? he's, he himself is married. He's got three children, and uh, he is he's the son my dad always wanted because he's got a, a cool job with a check every two weeks, yeah. and you know that kind of thing. So, whereas, well, thank you to your son for serving our country. Well, and and I think about him all the time in, in that light as well as just I'm very. Proud Proud of him. Yeah. What what does he think of dad being a a comic? Well, you know, interestingly enough, uh gosh, I'm trying to think uh I was probably doing this uh 12, 14, 15 years before he ever actually got to see me perform. Yeah. And um uh and it was weird. He was coming into Michigan. He was living out of state. Yeah. He was coming into Michigan and um uh he was only going to have like a day or so in the Detroit area. He was headed I think to Grand Rapids or whatever it might have been. And um, it just so happened that week I was working at the old Joey's Comedy Club in Livonia. Yeah, yeah. So the stars lined up and I said, well, you know, shoot, I want you to come see my show that night. Well, it's always a crapshoot on a Wednesday or Thursday if you're going to have much of a crowd, what they're going to be like, blah, blah, blah. Well, it just so happened, again, stars lined up and... The office at Joey's had lined up like five different fundraisers. The place was packed. <laughs> In fact, the original table I had him seated at, he had to move like three times 
for people that had bought tickets. Right. <laughs> so he got to see me in front of a full house, and it was it was a crush show, thank God, and uh, uh, it was cool. You know, afterwards I'm going like, so so what'd you think? And he was just kind of like. He didn't. He never saw me in yeah. that kind of capacity before, and he was like, "Well, that was that was cool." He goes, "It was, it was different, you know." Yeah, and, and it was, you know. And, but- and, and I asked that because I know what and how my daughter responds when people ask her, "Your dad's the motivational cowboy," and she's like, "Listen, man, my dad's just a <laughs> regular guy. He's the guy that says, hey, pull my finger <laughs> when I was six.' You know, I mean, there, he's, there's nothing special about him. He's just my dad." Exactly. And it's and, and it's funny. And that's too. why I asked you that. Well, so often, I mean, people too, um, you know, if they meet you casually, I you gotta be really careful. Uh, and you probably run into this as well. Uh sometimes when people, hey, you know, blah, blah, you're you're on an airplane, you're 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 in between gigs or yeah. doing something traveling, and oh, so what do you do? Well, you gotta size the situation up real quick. <laughs> yes. Okay. Especially if you're tired on the plane. As soon as you say you're a motivational speaker, they want to tell you that their whole story, which yep. is fine. Yes. So there's sometimes I just I hurry up and put my headphones on. I don't say nothing to nobody. I cannot tell you, Johnny, how many times people have said, what do you do for a living? And I go, uh, I, I deliver. <laughs> I'm not lying. That's right. I you deliver, deliver punchlines. Or punchlines, yeah. I love that. So, so I read that you call yourself a born again bachelor. Bachelor, yes. I coined <laughs> that phrase. Did, did you like how I set that up? I did. <laughs> I was waiting for the drum roll. No, I, and, and that was probably something, that, one of the first things I, I love that. Shoot. As soon as I seen it, I was like, wow, that's awesome. Well, many years ago, um, well, coincidentally enough, let's let's roll back to calendar, Johnny. Um, it was around the time uh, of, of my getting a divorce, and uh, that was around the same time I started doing stand-up. Hmm, parallels. Let's think about this. I... Um, and and actually, it, it it was it was at the behest actually of my now former wife. Mm-hmm. She uh, had seen an audition notice in the newspaper for stand up comics. You know, and this is before there was even a full time comedy club in Albuquerque, New Mexico, which is where we were living at the time. And uh, you know, it had come out in, in counseling. You know, he never really got to pursue broadcasting and went in a different direction and this and whatever. And she saw this audition notice and she's like, "Well, you know, maybe you should give a try it." What what was that? That was my unique pretzels from PA, buddy, that you just oh dropped. Gosh. And I, Listen, you could have just said, Johnny, can I have one of those brand new pretzels that just came out a month ago that you saw upstairs that you like put in your bag and brought them down here to the recording studio? Talk about dropping a hint. <laughs> <laughs> listen, dude, I, I, these guys I met at a NASCAR race. Not, uh-huh. I, and I want you to get back to your story, yeah. but unique pretzels, they are my favorite pretzels that you're eating right now that I was not crunching. Is it showing up on the air? <laughs> Six generations. Justin is just such a cool dude. And uh this is a brand new uh pretzel they just came out with. And um pretty good, huh? I love it. It's um I would explain it about a pretzel, but it's um <laughs> well it's 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 uh, back in the day when I when I quaffed more beer. Um they got the skin, you got the skinny pretzels, yeah, and you got the ro- this is kind of in the middle of the tube, yeah, and um, and uh, you know some pretzels are like just you, you feel like all you're doing is just chawing on salt, and that's not the case here. No, and check this out, they're in rings, and you put this over your beer bottle while you're drinking. You're oh, gonna eat it. Oh, huh? nice marketing. Just angle. saying, I like that. Yeah, so unique pretzels. Um, they're delicious. Uh, the, the coolest thing is like NASCAR fans when I'm out there doing the Chevy stuff or doing the motivational stuff. It's so funny because fans love to bring you things. Oh, I bet. And and they all the people from PA always it doesn't matter where what race I'm at, 
It seems like every single weekend somebody's finding these pretzels and bringing them to me because nice. they, they, you can only get them in uh, PA. But I just found out here in Michigan, I found a place right up the road. Yeah. Italian place that is now selling them. How do you stay in this kind of shape if people are <laughs> so, so bringing Justin, truckloads of pretzels? Just, left I, right? I tell you what, it, 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 it's tough. But I, I, I just had to say, you could have just said, hey, Johnny, can you open the bag of pretzels instead of <laughs> dropping them right here? You know what I mean? Oh, they're Anyways, awesome, though. If I'm... you're looking for a good pretzel, go see my buddies. It's Unique Pretzels out of PA. And I'll tell you what, you will not be sorry. They're Do incredible. they have a website? Or... Yeah, uniquepretzels.com. Awesome. So there you I'll go. Check it out. Get back to your story. Um, so you were you were you were talking about. Uh, she said she she found this ad. Yeah, it was just a classified too. It wasn't yeah. like anything you know. And and uh, and she said, "Why don't you give this a shot? It'd be a way for you to vent your creativity." And 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 I think she meant it sincere, but there was that little little bit of sarcasm. You know, come on, come so on, Mr. Were you funny man. You know what? What's that? Like like were you practicing at this point? No, for, for her to even say that no. to you. Oh no, she just thought you were funny. And no, I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 she was just kind of you know you creative. You think you you know, uh, give it a shot. You know. So I spent. I was supposed to do five minutes. Yeah. First time out of the shoot, supposed to do five minutes, and and uh, uh, you know, you, in your mind, you're trying to figure out what's funny, what's a joke. I didn't take any class. There was no classes back then. There was mm-hmm. no and and. Uh, I was supposed, I, I, so I put together what I thought was five minutes of material. Well, my mistake for this very first time, Johnny, was I had left spaces in between what I thought were some of the jokes for laughter and applause. Never quite materialized. <laughs> so that five turned into about three and a half real quick. Right, okay, right, yeah. yeah. So, so where was the uh, the open mic at? Uh, it was actually at a place called the New Chinatown Restaurant. In Albuquerque, so it was basically the banquet room of a Chinese restaurant in New Mexico. I'm waiting for the punchline. That's the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> so your opening mic night, your first time ever doing comedy, was at a Chinese restaurant. In a Chinese restaurant, yep, yep. It was in a little side banquet room, uh, probably half full, probably had 40, 45 people in there. And, uh, I mean, no backdrop, no stage. I mean, you're, you're standing on the carpet, Yeah, got a microphone, and... Um, uh, honestly, probably got two or three what I would now consider to be very polite chuckles <laughs> in three and a half or four minutes, and it was brutal. <laughs> On the way out. Is it, is it, isn't that amazing how people think, oh, it's only five minutes? Oh, so on the way out, what? Now I can't say my name in five minutes, but <laughs> on the way out, I approached the producer of the show, and I was very polite. I stayed for the whole show, and I, on my way out, I says, hey, I said, I just want to tell you thank you. I appreciate you giving me this opportunity tonight, but I, I promise I won't be back, and I won't bother you again. And he just looked at me. He's like, not coming back again. He goes, what What do you mean? He goes, uh, uh, you, and I said, dude, I go, were you in the bathroom for those four minutes? Was Remember when it was real quiet, and you were reaching for the toilet paper? That was me. And... Um, He's like, no, he goes, not everybody gets right the first time. He goes, you know, write a song, change some things, edit it, you know, uh, do impressions, juggle, whatever. You know, it's it's open, you know, it's open mind. You do whatever you want just to get, you know, do what you got to do to get laughs. Wow, how nice. Yeah, and I'm Did like, you go to, back? to this day, I don't know if I should thank the man or curse him. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but yeah, I started going back. And, um, and, and, and honestly, there are people that were there that very first night. Who I am still friends with to this day. Wow. Some some in person and and some are you know we've reconnected through Facebook, but I mean uh, Bill Resnick, uh, Bob Asta, 
Neil Edwards, um, uh, actually Mark Marin uh, was there that first night. His his father's a physician in uh, in Albuquerque. Yeah, uh, he he was in Albuquerque at that time. Uh, then there were some other characters who uh, can't describe their their <laughs> path in life, but there was a guy Alpine Bob. Uh, there was uh, yeah, I mean just some crazy yeah. characters that um, some stayed in the game, some didn't. But there's still four or five that um, yeah still perform. And so where do you live now? I, well, as you know, I hate the cold weather. Yeah. And um, uh, I, I bought a condominium uh, not too terribly long ago, and uh, I had to move south. I just don't uh, I don't tolerate cold weather very well. I live in Toledo now. And uh, <laughs> Wait a second. Well, I always tell people I am from the south, the very southern part of Detroit. There you so, go. <laughs> that's why it's go. a little bit warmer You're down here. You're the one here. Journey was talking about, right? <laughs> well, yeah, and I joke about it that, you know, yeah, I'm, 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 I moved south. And uh, uh, and people, oh, 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 you're in Toledo, you know, and <laughs> and, uh, and I'm like, well, yeah. I said, I figure if every you know six or seven or eight years, if I move another fifty miles south, I figure by the time I'm ninety, I'll be in Cincinnati. Oh my God, that is too living flipping the high life. Funny. So, your first time up on stage, did you practice a lot? Or I was you- on carpet, actually, no stage. No, so, <laughs> you're right. You did say you were on the floor. <laughs> yes. Did you practice a lot? I well, yeah. I mean, but I didn't know any better. And, right. And the weird thing is, and, and it's and it's it's kind of misnomer. Uh, people ask you a lot of times, even at this stage, people go, oh, "Do you do did you do your new bits? You do them like in a mirror at home? No, <laughs> mirrors don't laugh. <laughs> right. You know, true. Um, really, the only place now now a musician can sit there at home and, and work out the notes and the fingering and the fretting and what have you, and, and they can get things better. Okay, let me ask you this, though. Um, just because we kind of do 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 the same thing, uh-huh. I do practice a little bit in the mirror just because I want to get my hand movements because you can be funny. Funny? Funny how? Funny like with, a clown? With Yeah. <laughs> well, here you know by pausing a little bit longer, by... Facial expressions. Sure. So those are the things that I do once in a while still practice. Not not as much as I, because I don't have to anymore. I've been doing it for 20 years. Right. But when I'm working on new material, I will watch how how I look in the mirror to see, because if I think it's funny or if I look goofy, then I don't do it unless I'm trying to be funny. So you don't do none of that no more. Not really. Okay. Um, uh, the, uh, and it's funny you mentioned that one thing where you said when I'm talking and when I'm not talking, mm-hmm. a lot of public speakers don't realize the power of silence. Uh, I didn't the first 10 or 15 years. And, and sometimes it's just a matter of a couple of seconds. Yeah, absolutely. But, but it can really either drive home a point, draw out a laugh, you know, whatever. The, the, there's the, the Silence can be used for a purpose on stage. It's so funny because my material 15 years ago is half now sure. because I learned how to tell the story better. Sure, absolutely. And there's something to be said about that because, I mean, you're basically a storyteller. Absolutely. Yeah. Who, who would have ever thought 30 or 40 years ago that, uh, hey, let's go to Storyteller Club. Right. You know, because yeah. there's people up on stage telling stories. So were you, were you the class clown in school? Uh, not officially. <laughs> uh, if you're going back to high school, um, I was more of a class wit, but the actual class clown, uh, and this is this, this is honest, the, the truth is funnier than, than stuff you can write sometimes. Right, absolutely. Uh, my senior class in high school at good old Teddy Bear High in Wyandotte was uh, the You went the to Roosevelt? Club. I did, yes. That's a beautiful school. You know, it, it is, it's, it's got some character and, uh, and, and some characters that graduated. <laughs> I was just going to, you took the words <laughs> right out of my mouth. <laughs> but but the, the class clown uh, in my, my graduating class was a guy, a classmate by the name of Ned Lynch. 
Okay, and Ned was funny dude. Okay, mm-hmm. I, I'll grant him that because I wasn't in competition back then, right? Right. Okay. Here's the uh, here's the clicker. Um, Ned, for the last umpteen thirty some years, has been a corporate attorney on the West Coast. I was class president. Now I've been telling jokes for 30 years. <laughs> How do you like that for a switcheroo, kids? Wow. What goals have you set for yourself since you became a comedian? Um, well, probably, um, you know, I guess the, the big thing was, uh, you know, A, just support myself doing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, B, um, uh, you know, I was able to buy a, a, a place to live. Yeah. Um, uh, and for those of you out there, I didn't just buy that beautiful <laughs> condo in Toledo. I've had that for a few years. Thank you very much. But um, uh, that and um, uh, avoiding the IRS. The, the, just those two, three things right there, you know. If, yeah. I, if I can just, I'm teasing. Well, I no, trust me. That's a sore spot with me just because I, being self-employed for as long as I have, right. I have gotten in trouble with the IRS. Well, it's funny how $13,000 <laughs> turns in almost forty when you don't pay your taxes and interest and penalties and everything else I, add up. Yep, so, yep. I've been there. I had, I had, well, I had a little issue back in the day when I first got started. And um, it was funny, probably, I don't know, six or seven years into doing stand-up, one day I'm at my parents' house and my dad goes, so he goes, you know, he goes, how does this work? Uh, how, how, how do you get taxed? Do they, do they keep the clubs? And I looked at him, I go, taxed? <laughs> and my dad looked at me and goes, oh, Mark. And I go, what? And 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 I just said, I, you know, we'll get this worked out one yeah, of these days. Yeah. Well, one day I get a letter from the IRS and it said, uh, basically, we have a question about your return from uh, uh Tax year 1994. Yeah. Well, I knew they were bluffing because that document did not exist. (laughs) (laughs) But a couple years earlier, my dad had sent me a little uh, article from the Detroit paper about a a CPA, an accountant in the Detroit area who specialized in, you know, people who walked, you know, got off the path, whatever. Yeah. And, um, you know, I kept it in my briefcase all those years. Yeah, we used briefcases back then, kids. I know. <laughs> we used we used briefcases. We had books that we would write down our schedule. We had pens. <laughs> and uh, and then I made the phone call to the CPA's office, and uh, the woman the woman on the other end sounded like anybody's grandmother. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, she's like, "Well, she goes, I'll set up an appointment with you and Jim." She says, first, I'll need your social security number." And I said, "Yeah, it's not going to happen." <laughs> You know, what, how, how do I know you're not a front for the IRS for mm-hmm. crying out loud? She goes, I hear that four or five times a week. <laughs> and she just buttered me up and I gave her the info she needed. And, and yeah, I mean, and he got me back on track. And uh, so do life experiences like that end up in your shows? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> oh, well, maybe not that one in particular. No, I know, but, but yeah. But uh, the, uh, I, would, I would have to guess that probably... 70, 75% of everything I talk about on stage started from uh, an actual event in my life or, or something I actually personally observed. So do you talk about family too in your shows? Uh, a little bit. Uh, and over the years, some of those bits have come and gone and, yeah, and, right. and what have you. But um, uh, there's there's one in particular that uh, just in the last few years, um, uh, and it's almost like my, my tribute joke to my dad, if you will. Yeah. Um, because uh, I talk about how close he and I were, and especially the last you know four or so years after my mom had passed, and but his hearing had gotten bad, say the last twenty twenty five years of his life, and mm-hmm. I attribute that a lot to the trucks he drove, fire right. engines, absolutely you know, that kind of thing, and um, so he spent a lot of money. He went to the hospital and wind up to the audiologist, got tested, 
Johnny, he got digital hearing aids like 25 years ago, <laughs> okay, which was a big deal back then. Right. And he had to keep going back and get them retuned and recalibrated. He never got the satisfaction he wanted. He finally decided, last five or six years of his life, hey, I'm going to put these in the cupboard. I'm not going to wear them anymore. If somebody wants to talk to me, they just got to get my attention, and he'll he'll respond, huh? <laughs> right. Or what? You know, and then if he was looking at you, he had no problem. He had no problem following the conversation. Right. And that was fine if you weren't with my dad all the time. It was no big deal. I was with him a lot. <laughs> right. So I had to figure out a creative way to elicit his attention, you know, with whatever means possible. Yeah. That made it fun for me, okay, until it backfired one day. <laughs> what happened? Well, we were sitting in, in his living room. We're sitting about six or eight feet apart from each other in a couple of lazy boy chairs. And uh, uh, I knew my dad had just put his car in the shop. So to get his attention, I was like, hey, Pop, do the Golden Girls still give you a boner? <laughs> my dad turns and goes, huh? I said, yeah. I go, the guys at Earl's, did they give you a loner? <laughs> my dad just looked and shook his head and went back to his crossword, and he just said, only Betty White. <laughs> oh, he knew exactly what you were saying. <laughs> yes, he did. Let me, let me ask you this. You've been doing this for how long? Uh, this is January, right? Yep. I got I to look at my calendar. <laughs> Hang on. Let me get my phone out so I can look at my calendar. Um March 21st will be 33 years since that night when I stepped on carpet at the Chinese restaurant in Albuquerque, New Mexico. 33 years. A lot has changed since then. Are there a lot of things or are there things that you can't talk about or that you don't talk about on stage anymore because it's not, quote, quote, politically correct? I think there are. Um, but for me personally... Uh, uh, not that much because I've never been a, a person who talks a lot about uh, politics mm -hmm. and uh, I, I've never done a lot of current event type stuff. And and there was a reason for that. And that dates back to my laziness in high school. <laughs> I, <laughs> because cause politics and current events has a shorter shelf life. Okay. You, you do a bit about you know, X or Y, and, and it's something in the news today. Well, two, three months down the road, that's yesterday's news. You better replace it with something. Right, right. And, and a few of the things that I, that I have done over the years that started with a news uh, uh, event, uh, hopefully were written in more of a timeless way that the shelf life uh, extended itself. So do you come up with your own material then? Do you write your own material? Do you have a writer? Do you have a ghostwriter? How I, do you? I do my own. And, and um, no one else will... Take the blame. Uh, the um, uh, have you ever bought a joke? Uh, not with money, you know per se. Uh, well, well, but what I mean by that, what I mean by that, let me clarify, please. Um, what I meant by that, though, is um, there's there's honor amongst thieves to a degree, mm -hmm. and and it's it's quite often, uh, especially if you're working with, um, you know, a comic you're familiar with. You know, because you've got like, let's say, let's say uh, you and I have done shows together before. Right. I'm I'm doing a bit you've never seen before, and after the show, I'm walking to the back of the room, and you come up and you go, "Hey, Mark, you know that bit you do? I've never heard you do it before tonight, but have you ever thought about tagging it this way? Or have you ever thought about possibly adding something mm -hmm. to, to this? You know, so so other comics have because because they see it from sometimes a slightly different perspective. Absolutely. So. And, and it, when it's coming from somebody that you respect or somebody that you go, hey, this guy's I like his style and I like his you know point of view sometimes or whatever. Um, so so yes, I've gotten material uh, tags and stuff like that. And when I say a tag, it's like 
you know, generally speaking, you, you've got a setup for, for, for a joke or a bit, and uh, you know, you, you might have an initial punchline or a couple punchlines. A tag is sometimes that it's a related secondary punchline mm-hmm. kind of thing. And um, uh, I'll, I'll, get, I'll get the chalkboard out here in a second. <laughs> I'll diagram the joke here. Let's go to the tape. <laughs> So so let me ask you this do you as a uh, uh, a comic do you uh, you don't practice them have you ever used other people's material like that maybe that have passed and stuff like that never Inten- okay. never intentionally right yeah. I mean uh, again you know there, there's times over the years uh, uh, okay case in point um, uh, oh, oh man 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 um, I'm, I'm trying to remember the guy's name and I'm, and I'm, I'm drawing a blank and I, I feel so bad. Uh, I won't reference the joke then because okay. I can't think of the guy's name off the top of my head. But there was, uh, I, I do a couple of different jokes in my act about golf. And uh, th- there was a friend of mine from Wisconsin, and he used to have this joke in his act that to me was just hilarious. Yeah. And it's, and it's a quick little kind of setup, boom, punchline. And uh, I just looked at him one night after we did this, the first time I heard him do it, I go, I said, I got to ask you a question. He said, what's that? I said, I don't want to buy the joke because I know it's a, it's a great joke in your act. I says. If I'm ever doing a private party at a golf course, like a country club, you know, or at a golf outing, can I do that joke? <laughs> and he just looked at me and goes, oh, yeah, absolutely. No yeah. problem. I said, I promise that's the only place I'll ever do it. It'll never go on a CD. It'll never, right, you know. Right, yeah. And, uh, but yeah, uh, uh, man, that was... And now everybody out there is going, what's the joke? I know, I know. Now, now it's like, I want to know what it is. Who are some of the uh, comics and that you idolized or, or that inspired and motivated you over the years? Well, my first two influences ever in my life, uh, as far as stand-up is concerned, and, and I actually, they're in my liner notes on my first CD, um, uh, Bill Cosby and, and George Carlin. Okay. And, and they couldn't be any more. I was going to say, holy cow, they're totally so far apart. Oppo- uh, polar ends, yeah. And, and you know, I know Cosby's had his issues over the last few years, um, and, and that's, that's not where this leads. No, right, I got gotcha. you. You know, back in the day, uh, I mean, gosh, I had so many of his albums on vinyl. Uh, wonderfulness. Why is there air to Russell, my brother, whom I slept with? Uh, you know, <laughs> yes. and, and and then and then I got turned on a couple of years later to Carlin. You know, uh, AMFM. Uh, uh, you know, class clown. Uh, uh, it, it, it was a couple of years before I realized what Toledo window box really meant. <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you like when you're not on stage? I mean, I, I I see you like this right now. We hear you. You know, but. What are you like when you're not performing or when you don't have a microphone in your face? I'm not on. You know, I mean, I, like like we were talking earlier, I mean, you could you could bump into me anywhere, whether it's a, a restaurant or shopping at Meyer or whatever it might be. You'd never know. You know, you'd never know I was a comedian or a performer. Do you ever get sick of somebody when they ask you what you do and you actually are in the mood to tell them that you're a comedian and they say, make me laugh. (laughs) Tell me a joke. Yes. That's, that's anybody out there listening. That is the brutal sin. That's the cardinal sin. If you ever meet a comedian, especially away from a comedy club, don't, don't, don't say, make me laugh or don't say, tell me a joke. And the second thing is if you see them, don't go up after a show and say, I got a joke you can use in your little skit. (laughs) Have you ever used a joke that somebody told you, like that, did tell you something after the show? Yeah, no, I don't think so. <laughs> okay. uh, usually they're beat up street jokes. I know, I get it. And usually they're either so foul or filthy or racist that I can't believe, especially if it's after show. Yeah. 
Sometimes uh, somebody will come up and go, hey, I got a joke. Maybe you can use some time. Feel free to use it, blah, blah, blah. And they start out the jokes. <laughs> and I, in my mind, I'm just trying to think, what on earth was it that you just saw me do for the past hour <laughs> that would that would remotely make you think that I could do that on stage, you know? Yeah. Let me ask you this. Uh, is there... Um if somebody wanted to get into comedy, what would you do different or what would you tell them to do that you did differently back then? Stop. Don't do it. <laughs> Stay with your real job. Is there a good age? Have your family love you. What's that? Is there a good age? You know, whatever age you are, honestly. Um, you know, um, I you know, I got into it when I was, uh, gosh, almost uh, 28, 29 years old. I thought I was late coming to the the, the party. God, um, that's so crazy. We have so much in common because I started speaking, and at 28, I said to myself, if I don't make it in two years, I'll get a real job. Uh-huh. Well, I'm still doing it today. But My, my dad gave me five, okay? We, we must have had this conversation when I was very early on. And uh, I was at, again, I was hanging out at his house one time, and and this is more than five years. It's probably six or seven years uh, into into working uh, the road and so forth. And uh, my dad said, hey, hey, Mark. He goes, I've been thinking about something. I go, what's that, Pop? He goes, well, remember, remember a while back you said you were going to give this comedy thing like five years, and then after that you'd you know, get a job, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I looked at him. I, so, again, reached over, briefcase, pulled out my, my, my planner. And at that time, the planner opened up a month at a time, and any date that was booked, I had a highlighter that mm-hmm. went through those days. And I said, and this is back when clubs and places were booking out 8, 10, 12, 15 months at a time. Yeah. There, was, there was a few times where I was booked out over a year, uh, you know, back in the early 90s. And I just looked at my dad. I'm flipping through all these months. And I go, Pop, I go, if I quit now, I'm going to have to call all these people back and cancel all this. And my dad just, he threw his hands. He goes, hey, oh, you know better than I do. I'm just saying, okay. He goes, all right. So you know? your son heard you do stand up? Did your dad ever go see you? Yes, yeah. Actually, what was that like? And actually, actually, uh, after a while, well, the first time, the first time, Johnny, I was living in San Francisco, uh, which was actually my third comedy town. I, okay. I started in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Uh, probably ten, twelve months into doing stand up, I moved to Houston, Texas. Yeah, her name was Pamela. I moved to Houston. <laughs> And uh, my post-divorce fantasy girlfriend. <laughs> and uh, I lived in Houston for, uh, I can't remember, 15, 16 months or whatever it might have been. And uh, uh, did shows there, but, you know, again, mostly open mic type things. Mm-hmm. Occasionally, I'd, I'd, somebody tossed me an MC gig or whatever. And from there, uh, the company I was working a day job with offered to transfer me to uh, San Francisco. And I'm thinking, okay, Awesome. At the time, my son was living in Sacramento with his mom right. and his stepdad. And uh, uh, plus, San Francisco had a just a thriving comedy scene. And uh, so, yeah, let's do San Francisco. Yeah. And um, uh, so I end, up, I end up out there in San Francisco, and um, uh, I've been, I've been uh, flapping my gums. I, I forget what the original <laughs> question was. Now, wait a minute. Uh, you know, it's kind, of, it's kind of funny. I was thinking the exact same thing. Like, this is going so good that I'm just like, I don't even know what I even what, asked you at that point. He, what is he flapping? Um, but um, Oh, no, because I had asked you about your dad. Um, oh, okay. You know. I'm so sorry. No, you're um, fine. I've, I've, oh. I had to go back in my notes. I was like, oh, where was I? I was already on three Johnny. three questions past that. Okay, <laughs> Um So, no, so uh, after I'd been living in San Francisco's uh, six or eight months, my parents had never 
travel to the West Coast. They yeah. wanted to come out. They wanted to visit me and um, and then go up to Sacramento and visit uh, uh, you know my son and 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 his family. And um, so they came out. What just so happened that I had a guest spot already uh, scheduled at a club. Uh, a little ways away from where I was living at the time in Concord, uh, California, a place called Tommy T's. And uh, so I said, hey, you guys have to come out. It's a late show. It's Friday night. I had to work my 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 all day at my leather store, went and got them, took them, whatever. And um, I'm only doing oh, maybe eight, ten minutes, maybe tops. Yeah. Okay. Uh, they put me on, I think, after the MC. I did my guest spot and the rest of the show. And so, and it was a pretty, pretty big crowd, 150, 200 people, as yeah. I recall, uh, Friday night, we're, we're all going out to our cars. Now I'm wondering, you know, I go, well, what'd you guys think? You know, and my dad, he was kind of still kind of reserved about it. He was old German, you know, mm-hmm. well, he goes, it was kind of, it was different. It was okay. <laughs> they laughed, you know, and I'm looking at my mom. I go, well, mom, my mom's name was Blossom, by the way. So her real name was Blossom. That was her name. And, awesome. and yeah, well, awesome Blossom. You're and right. <laughs> she, um, and she, she fancied herself almost like a little hippie, um, uh, from South Rockwood, Michigan. And, um, mom was very, um, uh, you'd have to know her, but basically when I asked her what she thought of, of what I'd done that night, she looked at me very wide eyed and just said, Mark, I only saw half of it. And I'm like, mom, I was up there not even 10 minutes. I said, would, would, would you get up and go to the bathroom halfway through my set? You know, she goes, no. She said, half of it, I watched you. The other half, I watched everybody else watch you because I wanted to make sure they were getting the joke. <laughs> How cute was mom that? Mom was protective even I at that point that. in my life. Yeah. That 30 is years so cool. old. If this didn't work out, what do you think you would be doing for a living? I don't know. I didn't have a I didn't have a plan B. I, honestly, I love that. I love that. You 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 didn't have a backup plan. I, I really you, didn't. You're, you're going to make it work. No. Uh, and and um, yeah, I uh, I don't no, know. It's fine. I mean, I just like again. I mean, I I I have told people in the past. I'm like, you know, when I quit my corporate job to be a speaker, it's like I burned every bridge, uh-huh. so I couldn't go back. Sure. Sure. And people are like, well, I never look quite looked at it like that before. Yeah. Like, we've always been told not to burn the bridge, but sure. you burned it down. I'm like, yeah, because I didn't want to go back. Almost like your Tom Cruise moment when uh, he gave his diatribe and Jerry Maguire. You yeah. Know? Yeah. You know, um, so you weren't the class clown, but you have definitely made a living doing this now. So, I mean, that's kind of cool. Is there a stage that that you, in your mind, would still love to perform on? Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, well, the next one, you know, (laughs) I always look forward to the next one, but I mean, God, what, 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 what performer wouldn't love to tour theaters and, 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 you know, and here's the thing, there's always this, there's always this, uh, this comes up frequently, especially, um, nowadays with all these, uh, showcase open mics at bars and this kind of thing. And so I headline this such, and you know, well, the definition, you know, is if if you're a headliner, if you're booked to headline, you're actually someone that people are paying to come see. Right. You've got some marquee value, some, some recognition. Um, otherwise you're the last person on the show or what we call the closer. You close the show out. Okay. People may call me or refer to me sometimes as a headliner in in clubs and, and, and fundraisers and such. I'm the last guy. I'm the closer. Yeah. I'm the guy with the most experience, hopefully, or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, but um, it would be cool to have gotten to that point to have been a headliner. Okay. You know, 
Uh, would I love to work Vegas someday? Absolutely. Okay, uh, yeah. I, I was supposed to work Vegas, oh, man, this is probably 20 years ago, um, at the Maxim. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, I, I was passing through town. I, I, he, I gave him a holler. He goes, oh, come on up, blah, blah, blah. I'm working. Uh, he was working, I think, at the... He was working at the Maxim. I think that it was the it was the sister club to the Riviera at the time. Okay, and um, he goes, "Hey, come on down." He goes, and actually, he goes uh, every time I'm here, at least once. He goes, myself and the general manager of the club. He goes, we go hang out at happy hour, have appetizers and that kind of thing. You can join us. You can meet the guy. Okay, and that's what this job's all about. Yeah, especially you know when you're first starting out, it's about networking. It's about making connections. It's about relationships. Yes, absolutely, oh, un- undoubtedly, and and a lot of times it's you know if you if you do a show with somebody. And either they see promise or they, they, they dig your, your style or whatever it might be, then the next thing you know, they might open a door for you. That's right. You know, they, they take you on the road with them or yep. they, you know, that kind of thing. And so in this particular case, I went and met up with this buddy of mine uh, up at his hotel. Uh, we took off um, some, some happy hour place in Vegas. I, I couldn't remember the name of it. But um, so we hang out there. And we're ordering appetizers and blah, 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 and telling, you know, we're all cutting up and having a good to the three of us. And, you know, next thing you know, uh, uh, I take off. I go to the bathroom. I come back. Next thing you know, my buddy, he takes off. He goes to the bathroom. He comes back. This guy, the producer, uh, the general manager of the club, he gets up. He goes to the bathroom. He comes back. When he, or before he comes back, my buddy leans over. He goes, you're in. I go, I'm in. What do you mean I'm in? He goes, he, goes, he likes you. He goes, he's going to book you. And I go, I, I I haven't even done a season. He goes, doesn't matter. He, he, he I, I vouched. He goes, yeah. he digs your personality. He goes, uh, you know, you're not, pardon expression. He goes, you're not being a dick. Yeah. And uh, that sometimes that's more important than anything. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And uh, I'm going, awesome. You know, so before the night was over, I hung out at my buddy's show and, and this general manager of the club leans over and he answered me his card. He goes, hey, he goes, I want you to call me. Not this week. Call me next week. And uh, he goes, I'll put you on the schedule for the first quarter of next year. Wow. And I'm like, I mean, I know I'm not going to headline, you know, I'm not yeah. going to close the room, but awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So uh, sure enough, uh, I call him, I leave a message, and wait about a week, call again, leave a message. I get a message back from him on my voicemail about two weeks later telling me, Mark, I had you on the schedule. I had every intention of booking you. However, the Maxim is closing. Oh. And I'm like, oh, the Maxim Comedy Club's closing. No, the maximum I, casinos don't close. Oh, right. Well, the maximum closed. Now it's a parking structure, I think, right. or whatever. But yeah, so do you remember your first paycheck of doing comedy? Oh, or or, or let me or let me let me rephrase the the uh, question. When you knew that you were getting paid for your first gig, do you remember that? Because I tell you what, when you're doing it for free, uh huh, and then all of a sudden somebody says, "I'm going to pay you to do it." Oh. Your mindset changes, like, oh wow, now I have to be good. Well, and there's, and then, and I think you, you, uh, I think you, you, you embrace a little more value to what you know you're doing. Yeah. Um, Do you remember that time? You know, I know. How can you say no? I'll never oh, forget. No, no, no. Twenty years ago, I went the, that the first gig. I gave forty talks before I got paid for it. Oh, really? And but when all of a sudden I got paid like two hundred fifty bucks for like twenty minutes, right? And it was like I literally sat across the street, like ready to throw up, ready to call them and tell them I can't come. I was so nervous because they were paying me now. Wow. And so that that's why well, as an entertainer, that, that that that's why I was I couldn't wait to ask you that. Well, what I said, uh, what what I was trying to say is, uh, uh, I think when I first got paid, it was I was still in Albuquerque. Okay. Uh, I got tossed a couple of 
Fortune uh, cookies? Uh, <laughs> I graduated way beyond the Chinese joint. Um, well, it was um, uh, like an MC spot. Okay. Um, Morris hosting. And I want to say I got paid 20 or 25 bucks. Okay. And uh, maybe a bar tab or something like that. Have you ever had an embarrassing moment? Um, <laughs> how long is the show? <laughs> Yeah, too many, too many to count, and and most of them hopefully I've blocked out of my memory. Right, share uh, one with us though, and, and, and the reason why, Mark, I, I asked you to share this is because whatever happens in life, you don't have to be a comic or a motivational speaker. You you can be a construction worker. You sure. can be a waitress. It does, you have embarrassing moments. Oh, absolutely. In life, the reason why I asked you to say that is because I want people to understand it's okay to laugh at yourself. Oh, sometimes. absolutely, absolutely. I T- tell us about one of the times that that, that maybe you bombed. Probably, <laughs> I'd rather tell you about a. I'd rather tell you about. Let's go more embarrassing than bombed. Okay. Um, wow. The, nice. The and they could be one of the same. Uh, but one place sticks out after you after the second time you asked the question. This goes way back. I was I was living in the Bay Area, and I was booked to do a show uh, somewhere down the peninsula. Uh, it doesn't really matter. There's like five or six of us on the bill. Yeah. I don't even, I couldn't tell you now what I was getting paid, 50, 75 bucks, whatever it might have been. Um, there was probably five or six of us. I was going up in the middle of the pack doing my 20 or whatever it was. And I remember not that long into my set, five, six, seven minutes. And again, sometimes you're in the bright light. You can't really see right. past the first row. <laughs> yep. And there's a voice. There's a, there's a, what I consider to be a heckler. Uh-huh. Probably sitting half or two thirds away back on the right side of uh, right stage right, and there was you know something just kind of unintelligible. But you know I kind of had to dress it because the whole room could hear it. So <laughs> right. so I kind of popped the person a little bit, and it got kind of a laugh, you know. And and uh, next thing you know, I hear something again. I, I, when you go after hecklers, you got to kind of do it with kid gloves initially because mm-hmm. you don't want to you don't want to pull out the, the cannon when you know a little pop gun will do initially. And, right. And eventually, I probably tangled with this person like three or four times. I didn't get vicious, but had to do what I could do to kind of quell the thing and what have you. And um, uh, I get done and, you know, do my closing bit. Thank you very much. Blah, blah, blah. And there's probably 100, 120 people in the room at this particular gig. And, and the MC's coming up and the MC's like, white as a ghost. And I'm like, oh, what's, what's his deal? You know, hey, thank you. You know, I walk off stage and... And brings and the next act's getting ready to go up, and he goes, "Dude, he goes." Uh, and the guy who was emceeing the show was was the producer of the show. Okay. And he goes, "Dude, he goes, uh, uh, that the heckler that you were, you're, yeah." I go, "What about?" It? I goes, uh, uh, "How do I explain it to you?" But it's uh, they got a whole table of of uh, challenge people uh-huh. that worked at like a Roy Rogers roast beef place, you know, and was one of those. Kids, I see kids. They were 17, 18, mm-hmm. 20, What, probably twenty years old. It could have been thirty, you know, right. or whatever. And um, and he was back here getting all worried that the, that the table was going to get upset that I was. He was disabled. Yes, yeah, mentally challenged or whatever you want to call it. I don't want to be rude. Uh, all these years, and uh, so now I'm thinking, oh God, I mean, I don't, I, I wasn't trying to offend anybody, you know, <laughs> certainly not anybody, you know, in that situation. So after the show's over, I kind of walk over towards that table. And I introduced myself. I found I somebody pointed out that's that's the guy. That's yeah. the one, you know. <laughs> and uh, and I walked up, introduced myself, big grin ear to ear, and and their uh, uh, sponsor or whoever was there that yeah. was kind of uh, arranging transportation and was there for them or whatever. Um. I, anyway, shook hands and 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 he invited me to the Roy Rogers restaurant, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. If you ever come, blah blah blah. And then afterwards, the the person put, took, called me aside and she thanked me. 
And I said, for what? I go, I, 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 after the fact, I felt foolish. Like I felt about a half an inch tall. She goes, no, no. The table and, and whatever his name, Tommy or yeah. whoever it was, was having so much fun. It was all in the moment. And you were treating him like anybody else. Wow. And they, she goes, I could see in their eyes that they loved the attention that you gave them. And you were never cruel in what you said. You weren't. And I was just like, okay, thank you. I, yeah. Because she could tell I was a little, you know, I, I was a little uh, taken back that I didn't want to ruin somebody's night out, uh, let alone in that situation. Have you ever offended somebody and they wanted to get together with you afterwards and uh, take you out back? <laughs> not, boy, I'm trying Cause to Because you're, you're a pretty big guy. I wouldn't want to tangle with you anyways, but. I, you know, I've, I've had a couple people um, uh, take exception to a couple of bits. <laughs> Uh, over the years, and you're so politically correct. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, um, especially in this day of like Facebook and email and stuff like that, I've had a couple of people send me messages on Facebook and and have asked me to you know I, I prefer if you not do that bit anymore. And I think to myself there was 150 people at that show. Yeah, it got big laughs. And if there was one person that didn't dig that one bit, yeah, I'm still batting pretty good in that right. situation. You know? So so the the cliche. Of going to a comedy show is never to sit in front. <laughs> Are you one of those comics, one, that have fun? Because I don't want to say pick on. Um, have you just fun. did. You just said it. <laughs> I just- so are you, you one of those guys? You're an enabler. <laughs> is there a reason why people don't like to sit in the front row of a comedy show? Do you men and women... Use that. It's usually one or the other, by the way. People either want to sit up front, yeah, or they don't want to be anywhere near the front, right? Yeah. Okay. We call that the moat. You know, because sometimes you'll end up doing it, and it's a show where the room seats say three hundred people, and there's only a hundred people there, and there's nobody in the first two rows, right? You know, and I have to explain to them, folks, you left the first two rows empty. <laughs> what that means is the third row becomes the first row. That's right, exactly. You know? And um, me personally. You know, unless someone else initiates and, and is and is drunk and stupid and and is interrupting the show, obviously then the gloves come off. But I mean, as far as uh, quote unquote picking on, I, I involve the audience uh, right. sometimes in my show, but it's very playful. You know, and it's and it's never to uh, you know it's never to make them you know look awful or anything like that. Uh, it's usually something very playful. So you have a bit about that. I actually brought a clip. <laughs> I, I read your mind. And this well, is this is actually this, set, set, yeah set it up. Well, this is actually um, uh, I was talking about uh, golf uh, as I do a couple times in my show, uh, and um, uh, I was talking about golf, and uh, I think I had asked uh, uh, the audience if we had any golfers in the room, and it just kind of went from there. So, how long have you been playing golf? Uh, three years. Three years. Three. Wow, you must be tired. <laughs> Me, three four hours. I'm done for the day, but. Old AJ swinging that putter around, oh, just three years in a row, just finally came in here to watch the, the fun show. Uh, what kind of score do you hit? Uh, golf, not putt-putt. Talk to me. Where... I don't play golf. You, don't, you really don't play golf? <laughs> you got excited earlier. You just... Good for you. Because that windmill hole, that's a bitch, isn't it? Windmill... It's funny because some of the non-golfers are looking like they put real windmills on golf courses. We never seen them from the road. And you won't. That's why we take those little carts back in the woods. 
putt putt golf. It's fun. It's fun. <laughs> How old are you, AJ? Twenty-two. Twenty-two. <laughs> Playing putt putt. That joke writes itself. I, uh... Are you married, AJ? Are you? No? No? no. Hope I'm not ru ruining your chances here. I... Well, she seems to be very enamored by you. I, uh... Look at that. Good for you. Good for you. <laughs> you are amazing at what you do. Let me let me let me just say it, my friend. <laughs> let me just say it. You made me laugh again. That and was, I've heard it. That was AJ. That was AJ, <laughs> 22-year-old AJ. Do you ever do impressions anymore? Because the reason why I ask this is because a lot of comics, they get their start doing sure. you know, voices. Yeah, voices and impressions. Do you have certain voices you go to? Well, the funny thing is, uh, I did more of them early on, the first 10, 12 years or so. And um uh, now I'm at that point after doing stand-up for 30-plus years, some of my voices have died, okay? The uh, the actual people, okay, <laughs> who, who, who own those voices. And um, I'm not um, I'm not someone who can just pick up and do uh, uh, Christopher Walken, which is you know, uh, the go-to nowadays. It's, it's like it's, it's, uh, the Walken nowadays is the, is the uh, Jack Nicholson of, uh, you know, the early 90s or whatever. But... Um, it's funny because sometimes I'll do a show or even sometimes a private event or, for instance, I did a gig in Kenosha a couple months ago at a, a really cool uh, a newer club there. And uh, it happened to be the late show on a, on a Saturday night. Uh, I think the, the youngest person in the room was probably close to 50. Just happened to be an older crowd. Yeah. And I can't remember what it was I did, but it turned into a riff. And I ended up doing Walter Brennan... And Jimmy Stewart and these people are going out of their minds, and I'm I'm going and, and in, in the back of my head while I'm doing this, I'm going out of my mind thinking to myself, I can't believe a I dusted these voices off and 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 pulled them in pretty decent, and b I'm actually getting to do voices that people understand, you know, they get, you know, right? I'm up there, you 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 but Luke, you know. And <laughs> so so you usually a, a comedian goes up there for what's the amount of time that a comedian gets? Well. You know, and again, it goes with experience. It goes with kind of where you're at in your career. Uh, usually, when I know. I know you start out at five. I mean, so is it like a thirty minute? Is like the top? Uh, no, a little uh, bit more. Uh, usually, a host or MC of the show is going to come out of the shoot and do ten, fifteen minutes. Okay. Uh, the next act on the bill, if there's no guest spot, the guest spot's usually going to do five to ten minutes, and that's someone who's just looking for some stage time mm -hmm. in front of a live audience. Um, and but your next paid person on the show is normally considered what we call the feature act. Okay, person that goes up before the closer or headliner, depending you know how you want to look at that. But uh, then the headliner in a in a club where you're doing a three man show traditionally is going to do about forty five minutes or so. Okay, if it's a if it's a two man show like a bar gig, so to speak. Yeah, usually the first act comes out and does anywhere from twenty five to thirty five, and then you come out and close the show with at least an hour. So. Has it ever happened to you that you get there thinking that there was going to be another one or two <laughs> comics there, and then all of a sudden now you have to eat up an hour and a half to almost two hours? I, that's happened on a handful of occasions, yes. And and usually before I walk up on the stage, you know, uh, it happened one time I know in uh, uh, Muskegon, Michigan many years ago, and there was a snowstorm, and, uh, you know, they're waiting, they're waiting to try and, waiting for a crowd to show up, and... Uh, 
and we were waiting for my opening act to show up. And finally, we're half an hour past the actual start time. And there's about 20 people in the room that hold about 200. Right, right. And finally, the owner just says, well, he goes, uh, should we keep waiting for the other guy? I go, um, personally speaking, I, <laughs> before these people start to, uh, you know, uh, you know, work against us and, and, and start to leave, I think we should start the show. I said, trust me. I said, I'll cover the time. I said, but uh, I also... I also expect to get both checks. Right. You know. So so you're good at um, working on your feet, literally. You have to be. Yeah, at this point. Now, certainly if, if the same situation were presented at uh, the first three or four years in, I'd be like, no, I've got 30 minutes. <laughs> uh, if somebody made a movie of your life, would it be a drama, a comedy romantic, just a comedy, an action, or a science fiction? Definitely not science fiction. I'm not a sci-fi fan at all. Um, probably, it would probably, God, it would probably have uh, elements of drama, comedy, and hopefully a little bit of romance, uh, you know, with another person, mm -hmm. you know. Um, the, uh, <laughs> are you lonely tonight? Oh, so you sing too. I do not. No. <laughs> um, I, back in the day of karaoke, uh, the only thing I ever sang was uh, songs by people that if you could scream, you could sing it. Yep. You know, Otis Redding, Joe Cocker, that yeah. kind of thing. Um, but, um, uh, but, but because, I mean, you, you think about my life, uh, you know, back in the day, pre-comedy, uh, you know, there was, there was some... There was some funny that would sneak out, you know, and there was a lot of eye rolling by the former wife and that kind of thing. Right. And, and um, you know, but I mean, I, I mentioned earlier she was Sicilian. I mean, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, she had me out vowed right from the get go. So, you know, there was no there was no messing, you know, when it came to family reunions and stuff like that. And, so it would be a your uh, life if, it, it would, if they made a movie out it of it. It would be a dramedy. Dramedy. I like it. I like that. Okay. I like that. Kind of like a Hallmark movie then. Yeah, well, kinda. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Favorite day of the week? Payday. <laughs> Which um, is what? Every day for you. Uh, could be. Yeah. Very well could be. Um, gosh. Favorite day of the week. Man, oh, man. If I could, if I could, if I could describe a, a great day, it would be uh, I'm on the road somewhere, meaning I'm A, going to perform, and B, I'm going to earn some money, and I would get up uh, that day at eight or nine in the morning and go play 18 holes of golf. And then I, uh, I'm somewhere where I've got friends or family. I get to visit them in the mid-afternoon. Yep. And then uh, go back and, and, and shower and get ready and, and do a show to a sold-out place, man. Favorite place to hang out? Hmm. Wow. I'll tell you, when I'm, when I'm home in Wyandotte, yeah. uh, I've got a number of hangouts. i got a number of places that, that I love. And, uh, again, I don't mean to make this too downriver-ish because— I know, because we have people going to be listening to this in, in Asia, so they don't got, even know where Wyandotte is. You've got <laughs> listeners all over. Yeah, but— uh, uh, for you, for your your listeners here in the Detroit area, though, I mean, man, I I, I got to give a shout out to like places like Chesley's on on Fourth Street, yeah. in Lincoln Park, yep. the Oak Cafe, yeah, uh, awesome food, and and I've known the family there for many many years, um, and and then and then just the list goes on. I mean, uh, Joe's Hamburger, you've been there? Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, Jeremy's Jeremy got is a great guy. Awesome, awesome food, and he's just a, he's a great guy. He's a big proponent of the city as well. Absolutely, and the Silver Ballroom right next oh, door. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and that kind of, you talk about people like Jeremy and his place and how he promotes the city. And um, uh, again, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but for the last 10 years, uh, every December, I go back and do a, uh, a benefit show yeah. for the Toys for Tots yep, and sure the do. Wind Up Goodfellows. And I think anybody that is in my position, you, you, you'd want to do something like that, you know? If so. you could be a cartoon character for one week, who would it be? Ooh, um, man, oh man, probably, probably Roadrunner. 
Oh, really? Yeah, because okay. I've always been big and slow. I think it'd be, <laughs> it'd be cool just once to win a race. <laughs> hey, how can people find your CDs, and how can people find more about you? Do you have a website? Absolutely. I mean, I've, I've had a website for... I've had the domain, I want to say, really close to 20 years now. So I had one really early on, and it's just my last name, K-N-O-P-E, Knope.com. You've and, done this once or twice, because I don't have to tell you to spell it out. I didn't have to spell it <laughs> out, and I tried not to pop my P too hard there. So, But it's it's just Knope.com, and um, and that's got a little bit of everything on on, on it uh, as far as my, uh, my club work, corporate work, voiceover yeah. work, you know, you name it. Um, and there's some some video clips and uh, there's a lot, lot of stuff on there. And, uh, and, of course, I'm on Facebook. I've got a, a comedian Facebook page on there, Comedian Mark Knope, and I've also got a personal page. And, and I'm on Instagram, the Knope Life so on Instagram. Let, so how, why would somebody book you to do an event? Um, I, think, I think the biggest reason uh, people would want to come to me to, to get, uh, entertain their clients, entertain their, their, their supporters or whoever it might be, first of all, experience. Yep. Uh, second of all, I've done literally hundreds of non-comedy club performances over the year. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, you've done like over 7,000 shows. Yeah, yeah. Dude, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, the first few years, I was averaging 350-plus shows a year. Yeah. Um, the, um, but that's the thing. I mean, because a lot of times nowadays you get uh, people that are looking to book a gig for, you know, whether it's their fundraiser, their VFW hall. That's what I was just going to say. And that's what I wanted to hit on was fundraising. People didn't don't even really realize that you could help them make money for their organization. You're doing something next week or maybe this weekend for the uh, Southgate softball or something yep, like that. Yep. The girls basketball in or Southgate, basketball. Michigan. Okay. Yep, yeah. Yep. Um, <laughs> the, um, I, I, I never, I've never kept track for a finite number, but I think over the last 18, 17, 18 years, I think I've helped raise 200 plus thousand dollars. Um, there was a, a detective here in Southgate, Michigan, by the name of Joe Walsh, he for ten consecutive years he booked shows with me, and uh, I put together produced the show. That's the last time I saw it. it saw your show. Oh, okay. It was yeah, it was Joe's. at the uh, Southgate uh, Ice Arena. Yes, yeah, yep. and um, uh, Joe uh, put him on for ten years, and I talked to him a few years ago and asked him. I said, "Cause and the reason why I went ten years, he had he had kids, mm-hmm. and one year it'd be for his kids' baseball team, yeah. next year it'd be for the girls' cheerleading or whatever he designate." And uh, I asked him after he had finished, after the kids finally. You know, got out of that phase of life, and he yeah. handed it off. I said, Joe, did any idea how much how much money did we raise over that ten years? Because he had a couple of years where he had over four hundred people at at that. Uh, oh my gosh, that hall, easy, easy. And he had a couple of years where he made in the neighborhood of almost ten grand in an evening. And he told me he goes uh, he goes we raised easily over sixty thousand dollars just on those those ten shows. That is so cool, man! So, just by making people laugh. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, so and it was through Joe to a degree. After the first two or three years of him doing it, he kind of helped rough out the schematic of the best way to put these things together, make them all inclusive, mm-hmm. and the ways to keep the costs down, but yet have a decent budget for the talent. And and I tell people a lot of times, you know, this is this is what I want to charge to bring in a full show, three acts. You know, mm-hmm. very experienced, good comics. People aren't going to offend people that are going to be funny but not filthy. Yeah. I always tell people, is it okay if I'm naughty but not nasty? <laughs> right. You know, and when you put it to them in those terms, they go, oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. You know, it's good. Innuendo is fine, that kind of thing. And, uh, and a lot of times I tell them, you might find a way to book a cheaper show, okay, but I'm going to be hands-on with you the whole way. I'm going to produce the, the promo. I'm going to handpick the comedians that will work best for your group. Yeah. And- 
in doing so, uh, because we're going to pay them a decent fee, a decent wage, we're not going to get that situation where people are constantly canceling because they got a more better paying Absolutely. gig, you know, or they got a two night gig instead of this one or whatever. Yeah. You know, if we book them out two or three months in advance for X amount, well, now they're going to find something to go on that corresponding Friday with yep. that Saturday we booked. And, and, you know, so we're good. Before we wrap things up, if you walked out of here, stopped at the local store, bought a lottery ticket, and tomorrow you won the Mega Millions, would anything change? About me personally? Just about what, I mean, would you, would you keep doing what you're doing? Well, I mean, yeah, I would have to do it secretly because I think too many club owners or, you know, people that be in a position to book me would be like, well, he doesn't need the money anymore. You know? Right. So, and the cool thing is, uh, living in Ohio now, uh, I, and I actually looked this up one time several, seven, eight years ago when one of the mega millions was way up there. Uh, Ohio is one of the states where you can actually form an LLC and you can uh, claim the, the winnings in the name of the corporation. Nice. So uh, I would probably go stealth. I would probably do do it in that uh, that mode. I would mm-hmm. I'd probably uh, not claim it personally. I'd have to get tax people involved and stuff because Lord knows we don't want to get those guys on me yeah, again. Yeah, because here's the deal. A lot of people say, oh, my God, I would change my whole life. I hate what I do. I wouldn't change anything no, no. about what I do. Yeah. I would still be Johnny D, the motivational cowboy, and I would still do everything that I'm doing today. My life wouldn't change. Right. I you agree. Know, I mean, it's funny. I've even told people. Um, it's funny. I was uh, uh, I was with a friend of mine a couple of years ago up at the Detroit Auto Show, and uh, they, they said, "Boy, if you could buy any car in this whole place, you know, what would you get?" And I said, "Well, you know, I'm partial to GM. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my my parents, my dad, my grandpa. Uh, we used to buy his used Impalas for you know yeah. uh, every three years he'd get a new one, and my dad and him would negotiate over a beer at a place called Lens Inn and Wine Dot, yep. and you know we'd be." driving his old one, you know, when he was getting his new one. And I've told my friends, I said, to be honest with you, especially since that 14 one came out, I'd probably, I'd probably upgrade to an Impala. And they just look at me and go, what are you nuts? <laughs> I go, I like the car, yeah, you know? Absolutely. And it's yeah. just like me with my Silverados. There's oh, a reason I, yeah. why I have a brand new one sitting in the uh, driveway. It's because I like them. I don't want anything else. Sure. I sure. got it because I want it. Sure. I mean, I look at, I look at vehicles for transportation. Right. You know, if you're going to like me better because I drive a Corvette, yeah. well, then uh, you're, you're... Yeah, you're not my friend. Yeah. So. Fra- um, a phrase you live by every single day. Well, uh, you know, and I don't want to get too schmaltzy here, but I, I really honestly think the golden rule, you know, uh, doing to others is is uh, something everybody should aspire to, to the best you can. Obviously, uh, you know, uh, it's not going to happen all the time. But the other thing that I've kind of... Uh, uh, really adhered to is, and this has been something I've thought for a long time, is life is a series of choices. Make good ones. I love it. We are literally going to end the podcast, and I know that you said earlier not to, and you made sure all the listeners knew, not to ever, ever, ever ask a comic (laughs) to tell us a joke. But I thought, what better way to end this podcast than you live telling us a joke. Johnny D. What's up? Audience of one. <laughs> Just me and you, brother. I am going to I'm going to give you a joke that is worth all the money you paid to hear. Are okay. you ready? I'm ready. Knock knock. Who's there? That's all you get for free. <laughs> well, hang on a second. <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't have much in my pocket anyways. <laughs> well, I got me a bag so of pretzels is it, here. It is, I know, those unique pretzels. Oh, <laughs> uh, you betcha. Hey, let me ask you this. Is there a joke that you call it your to-go joke? My, uh, like, like, like when you are put on the spot. Okay, I said nasty and naughty earlier. Yeah. Okay. Um, this one's this one's naughty. <laughs> if you guys are in your car driving right now, hopefully I don't cause any accidents. This is an old joke. Mm-hmm. It's an old. It's a street joke. It's a joke joke. Um, older couple goes to the doctor's office, and uh, it's a newer office. The doctor's not very busy, and the and the old gentleman walks up and he and he says, to "The doc, he goes, uh, doc, he goes, uh, we'd like to." Uh, Go in your examination room, make love, have you watch us, make sure we're doing everything okay. And the doctor's kind of thinking, it's kind of a strange request, but he goes, man, I'm kind of new and it's not very busy. And he looks at me and he goes, you're going to have to pay for an office call. <laughs> and uh, the old man goes, that's okay. So the three of them, they go in the examination room, the old couple, they get undressed, they do it, they do it, they do it, they get done. The doctor kind of looks at him and shrugs his shoulders and goes, yeah, hey, you guys, you know, tab A went into slot B, rock and roll, you know, you guys... <laughs> And so they get dressed and they leave, you know. Next day, same couple, same request. And the doctor's thinking, this is getting kind of creepy. But again, I got an empty waiting room. Right. Sure. You know, come on back to room four, you know. So they go back in there and the old couple, they same thing, get undressed. They do it. They do it. Uh, the doctor looks at him. Hey, you're two for two. Rock on. Okay. Get dressed. <laughs> pay, the, pay, pay the lady, you know. So third day, same couple, same request. Now the doctor's got some patients in the waiting room and things are kind of hectic that day. And the, and the doctor looks at me and goes, I, this is getting kind of weird. What's going on? And the old guy looks at the doc and goes, all right, fair enough. I'm married. We can't go to my place. She's married. We can't go to her place. Holiday Inn charges $100 for a room. Best Western charges $80 for a room. You charge 40 bucks, Medicare picks up 28. <laughs> I love it. Hey, how can everybody find you again? Canope.com. That's my website. It's uh, just my last name, K N O P E.com. And uh, I'm, I'm all over Facebook, uh, Mark Canope or comedian Mark Canope. And you can also find me on Instagram, The Canope Life. And I love your Instagram. Your Instagram is you. awesome. You, all, you always have cool stuff up there. And I, I just, Mark, I can't thank you uh, enough. I mean, I can't believe it's been like over an hour now that uh, we've been hanging out. So I had a great time, I man. I encourage everybody to go check out his website and uh, buy one of his CDs and uh, book him for your next corporate gig. Again, this is Johnny D, the motivational cowboy, telling all of you, be safe, have fun, have yourselves an outstanding day, and don't forget that you can download all the Outstanding Life podcasts at MotivationalCowboy.com, SoundCloud.com forward slash Outstanding Life podcast, and don't forget you can also find us on Apple Podcasts. This is Johnny D, the motivational cowboy, telling you, be safe, have fun, and have yourselves an outstanding day. Mark, thank you again, my friend. Thank you. Outstanding Life is a Soul Bridge Studio production.